Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So one day you may wake up and realize there's a transition, and then another day there's another transition. And before you know it, life is a series of transitions, and you're not sure how you're handling it. Yet, what we most need right now is ways to get through these transitions of loss and celebration and change and all this sort of stuff. And it doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, if you're bald, if you're not bald, if you're young, you're old, you need some help saying hello and goodbye. Even if you're stuck on an island doing something that you hadn't anticipated you were going to do. And the reason I'm bringing today's guest forward is because these transitions that we go through in life, sometimes we just move through and we don't think about them much. But I believe what he's bringing into the world with his brand new book, aptly called Hello and Goodbye, is helping us realize there's lots and lots of transitions that we just move through and we let them hang us up, get in our way, cause us to do great things and sometimes cause us to stumble. And he literally has brought this book to the world because of, well, a transition he went through a couple of years ago that just might surprise you. So I'm really excited to have you here on the podcast. His name is Day Schildkret, and his book literally just came up a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's only been out on the market now, six weeks. This is It's April, and you released this late January. So welcome to the podcast, man. Totally stoked to have you here. Happy to be here. Thank yeah. you. I love this thing about the transitions, the loss, the changes and everything, because sometimes I don't think we embrace what we have available to us to make this happen. And yet you're making this happen for people with this book. So I know you just waved your magic wand and it suddenly here's the book, right? Just, yeah, it just happened like that. Exactly. Two and a half years later, lots of blood, sweat and tears, but yes, magic yeah, exactly. wand just happened. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, because us gay men, we have these magic wands, you know, that everybody thinks that we can do all this magic. I wish for God's sake, I wish well, so on. There's a lot of magic in the book, so I will stand behind some of the magic. Um, but yes, there's also a lot of labor and a lot of uh, dedication and sacrifice in this book too. But the dedication and sacrifice is actually part of part of what you write about. Like, here's a change. This is a thing we move through. And so let's kind of go back to where, you know, why this all started for you. Yeah, I mean, you and I were talking before we started the podcast about you know, I was saying to you, I couldn't believe that this book didn't exist in the world before yep. I wrote it. Yep. And, and really, I, I couldn't. I mean, I looked all over for this kind of book. You know, this book has 36 life transitions from divorce, moving, getting a new job, losing your pet, coming out of the closet, and more. And these are major moments. And there's also minor moments like waking up in the morning and going to bed at night. But these are major and minor moments in our lives that actually ask something more from us. They mm -hmm. don't just want us to go through them and not acknowledge that something changed. The problem is, is that the culture that we live in teaches us no skill about how to move through change. Yep. We just like carry on as if it's business as usual. But we need to learn that 
when we mark moments in our life when they change, it, it helps our psyche to reorient to who we now are. So mm-hmm. here's an example. I did about 250 interviews for this book, okay? One of them was a woman who, for the, for the chapter on retirement, she was a woman who retired, she was at her job for 30 years. It's a long time to be at a job. Oof, God bless her. Right? And then, and then she retired. And for two years, every day after her retirement, check this out. She woke up every day at 5 a.m. panicked, having an anxiety attack because she, her psyche still thought that she was late for work or she had a project due. Wow. She did not mark the moment, the transition. So her, in, her internal mechanisms, her psyche was still playing out in her life as if she was in her old life. She didn't know that she needed to mark the transition so she could become the new person she was meant to be. So that's what the book's, that's what the book's really advocating are to mark and make these moments meaningful so that we can change from the person that we were to the person that we are now. Mm-hmm. And as a gay man who came out late in life, and now that I'm doing this work, which if somebody is going to do this work, I'm like, oh, bullshit. Nah, this isn't what I'm going to be doing. One of the things that I really encourage the guys that I work with who are going through the similar you know, transition that I did is to mark this moment with some rituals around letting go of your old quote heterosexual life mm. and moving into your gay homosexual life mm-hmm. even if that means and this is where it's it's you know kind of up to the spouse the ex soon to be ex spouse as well they're coaching with me so the guys are like you know our gals i've had a few gals you know we're moving through we're making transitions and all this stuff but i say i really want you to go have some moments with your spouse with a marriage counselor not to put it all back together again like humpty dumpty but to unravel it in a very healthy, meaningful, significant way. Now, will the spouse do that? A lot of times, no. It's like, nope, you did me wrong. But if they can't do that, then I encourage them to step into this space of how do you make some ritual transition for you to say, I'm now moving from here into here. And they always kind of look at me kind of weird. I'm like, trust me, there's something special here. And then we work through like something they would do. But I think this is what you're getting at is how do you move these transitions and make like these significant moments so you can do this, correct? Let me, yes. I mean, let me read you a very, very short paragraph that's going to mm-hmm. basically summarize exactly what I'm talking about. And I think it, it's, I think it summarizes it because the woman that wrote the forward of the book started her forward with this. So I think it's a really apropos quote says this, where am I? Who am I? Who are you? What do I do now? What was isn't any longer. Someone left, someone arrived, something broke, something repaired. Life changed. Now, what can you do to mark this moment and find yourself again to recognize that this is no longer that? It's the essence yep. of the book is yeah. how do we distinguish life when it changes? I mean, you get divorced, for instance, right? My yep. best friend's going through it right now, married to her partner for 23 years. She's getting a divorce. Her life is about to change dramatically. But she's mm-hmm. been in that marriage for 23 years. 
So that's all she knows really in her whole body, her whole system. That's, that's how she sees life is through that lens in like three months time, her whole life is going to change. Her identity is going to change the way that she sees herself, the way she sees the world, everything's about to change, but we have to mark these moments to change with it. And oftentimes, but not always, we need witnesses. We need other people to see us change so that we can see it ourselves. Sometimes the change is too big, like coming out of the closet. It's so big that we need other people to reflect back to us. You did it. I see you. I acknowledge you. You're, you've changed. Like we need other people so that we can see it ourselves. Well, and that feedback is the beautiful parts. Like, you know, it's like you get to be you. I remember the first time after I came out and, you know, I had, I was very blessed to be surrounded by a lot of gay and lesbian people prior to coming out. And they, they're all like, we were waiting on you. It is waiting for you to come join the family. We could see it. We could tell that you were a gay guy hiding. And then when I came out, I kept kind of holding myself back. I kept uh-huh. holding my, and it wasn't like, oh, I had to have the rainbow flags, nothing like that. But I was holding myself back from being truly who I was. Yeah. And finally, one of my friends that so it was a coworker actually, actually was on my team. He took me out one evening and we're having a drink. And he says, I'm going to share something with you about who I see you as. I'm like, mm. oh, okay. I thought, oh, he's going to, <laughs> he's going to teach me how to get a man, right? That wasn't what it was at all. He said, I still see you as this Rick who's hiding. Mm. You're still hiding. Because there's certain times when we've been out on the road doing what we, because I was a, a, a director of marketing for a software company and we did trade shows, all this sort of stuff. He goes, there's times when you're out on the road, you know, when you're out of your element, where I don't know who the hell you are because this whole new guy shows up and he's funny and he's, he's a little bit boisterous, but he's also really sweet and very caring. And he goes, and then we get home and you're like in a box, in a box. He goes, Rick, I know it's tough what you're going through right now, but you're on the other side, so to speak. You don't have to worry about being caught. You don't have to worry about hiding the truth of who you are anymore. I want to see that Rick that's playful and fun and smiles and laughs and jokes. He goes, you're not even living in your own house anymore. You've got your own space. And yes, you're still a dad. You're still taking care of your kids. But he goes, I want to see this. And I said, okay, gotcha. Did I do something about it? No. Until about a month later, he comes to me and he goes, come on. And we lived in Laguna Beach, California. He goes, we're going on a walk on the beach. I'm like, oh, is this a romantic? <laughs> I'm like thinking, oh, this is a romantic thing now. He goes, no, we're going we're gonna to go on a walk. I'm like, okay, cool, fine. We get down to the beach. And he's not somebody who does this kind of work like you and I do now. And I'm like, I was like really shocked what he did. He goes, I just want you to stand here. And I want you to just release, just release the old Rick. Just release the old Rick right now into the ocean. Whatever that feels like, looks like, sounds like to you. Because I want the new Rick to come back in with the waves that come back. Uh Uh-huh. And honestly, Day, that was like a huge moment for me. Why? And because it hit me in my soul. It hit me in my space where I needed, where I hate using the word needed, but it kind of was. Where I needed to open up. Yeah. I needed to like rip it open and go, okay, 
the band-aid is now off the yeah. real rick that's always been in there the yeah. sole essence of who i am came through and it was so interesting because he's he's actually one of my he's my best friend and he's not super soulful spiritual sort of that way yeah but he knew he knew and i he saw something in me that i couldn't see and that yeah. was actually the beginning of me starting to become really a seeker mm -hmm. and i kind of attribute a lot of why i'm sitting now doing this kind of work to that moment with him it there still took 10 years to get yep. where I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to go be a coach. And I'm going to that's do this, why, right? that's why ritual is accessible to anyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, even your friend who didn't is not spiritual and doesn't really understand ritual. For instance, he knew not to do that in like a boardroom or in like just the living room. He brought you to mm -hmm. the ocean. Why? Yep. I mean, he brought you to a space where you could let go, where you could release. He also witnessed you change, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He did it with you. And also this thing that you're calling release, all rituals have what I call symbolic action. Yep. You do something, yep. you break yep. something, you burn something, you throw something, you twist something, you break, you, uh, you tear something, you submerge something, you burn, whatever yep. you'd have to yep. do something. And then the final thing about ritual, by the way, is like, so connected to the name of your podcast. I mean, it's really connected to coming out. Mm -hmm. We call coming out the full thing is coming out of the closet, right? The closet is AKA a word I use in my book all the time, which is a closet, it's a threshold, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's an actual yep. doorway that you're standing, that you step, you, you step out of something very contained and you step into something much bigger, mm -hmm. right? And you actually have to cross the threshold. And these threshold moments in our lives happen all of the time. It's not just coming out of the closet. You know, a divorce is a threshold moment. A death is a threshold moment. Um, you know, marriage is a threshold moment. Like your child moving out of your house for college mm -hmm. is a threshold moment. These moments, threshold moments are moments where we can remember who we are, really. Mm -hmm. Well, they tap we're us not into the that same inner person. essence. Right. Okay. We're not, we're, we're, we're tapping into an inner essence of like, oh, okay, I haven't experienced this or we've experienced something similar. So back to the whole coming out thing, you know, it's so interesting to have these conversations with people who are about to like come out to a spouse or something. And they're like, okay, well, how do I have this conversation? I've never had this conversation before. I'm like, yep, you never have had this conversation before, but you've had a difficult conversation before, right? Well, Yeah. Okay, so what's a difficult conversation you've had before? Well, I don't know. I'm like, really? Let's see. You bought a home. You decided to have kids. You decided whose job was going to take precedence. All these sort of things. All of these things you've done before. You may not have had the coming out conversation before, but you've had these really difficult moments because each of those are a transition. So yeah. you're just preparing for a new transition. So yes, we're going to tap into what we've done in the past to some degree, sometimes it works, sometimes it's in, but we're going to lean into what we know has worked. And we're going to use some of that to get to this space. So as you said, you can step over the threshold and come out of the closet. Yeah. yeah. And regardless of where it is, and it, you know, for so many people, whether it's, I mean, let's just talk pandemic, there's a lot of thresholds being crossed over right now. Yeah. Tons of them. Yeah. Even, even the threshold, I mean, my husband, <laughs> has not been in the office for two solid years. Like, I yep. mean, he would go in once a week, maybe because he has to get certain things done. Mm -hmm. This week is the first time he has like been in the office every 
day. So here's the question for you. Did his office or him do anything to mark that return? Well, he's not permanently back in. So it doesn't matter. They you said it's, the, it first, no. you said it's nope. the first time in two years. Yep. No, nope. right. they're just like, so here's the go second. In. Here's the second question. What is he miss? What does he miss? What does he not get by not marking that moment? A lot of stress. He's stressed. I mean, stressed. He's like, he just needs to relax. He's just like, I feel overwhelmed. Now, it, part of it's because of what he's having to do. I mean, it's a big, it's a big project that they do once a year. So it's always going to be that. But there was no, we go from zero to 100%. There's no, there's no moment to say something happened. Mm -hmm. Something mm -hmm. big happened that prevented you from coming into the office. And now you're back. Yep. What happened during that time? How did you change? How did our business change? How, how do you feel about being back in the office? Like these are human moments where our humanity comes forward. The businesses don't, a lot of businesses don't do that because they're only interested in productivity and growth and just proceeding, keep moving forward. The problem is your husband is leaving part of his humanity out of the office because he's not able to acknowledge how much has changed in the last two years. Yep. The same is true for any transition, by the way. Yep. We have to acknowledge what's changing in order to change. If you don't, you're leaving most of yourself on the other side of the threshold. We, I see this all the time in the coming out world, all the yeah. time, because what's changing is suddenly, and you know, so I'm going to go to the late in life coming out. What's changing is suddenly, and I hate, I, I know some people are going to go, really? Yes, this really does happen. You're suddenly living your teenage life as a gay man because you never got to experience that. You never mm -hmm. got to experience it. For some of these guys, you're beginning, you're, you're changing into somebody who's dating because you mm -hmm. probably latched onto the very first woman that you're like, okay, I think I can make this work. You never mm -hmm. dated, you never experienced any of that. In fact, a lot of times it may be the only person that you've had sex with. Mm -hmm. So then all of this is changing and exploding. The same thing happens with job back to kind of my Wait, husband. Hold on. Before you go into job, I just, yeah. I want to read you something that's very connected to what you're saying, which is. It's the epigraph I open up the, the coming out chapter with. And it's really related to what you just said. And it's a quote by a man by the name of Alexander Leon, who's just a queer guy on social media that I found. But he wrote something on, on Instagram that really moved me. And I asked him, I said, can I use this quote in my book? And he was very moved. But it was, check this quote out. Queer people don't grow up as ourselves. We grow up playing a version of ourselves that sacrifices authenticity to minimize humiliation and prejudice. The massive task of our adult life is to unpick which parts of ourselves are truly us and which parts we've created to protect us. It's a very powerful quote. It's very powerful. He, he's identifying without even realizing it, he's identifying one of the very functions of ritual, which is to pick and unpick to distinguish this is who I'm not. This is who I am. This is who you are. This is who you're not. This is where I am. This is where I'm not. It helps to make distinctions because if we don't, we confuse everything. We, we confuse ourselves. Sometimes we, we don't know who we are unless we pick ourselves apart and we constantly say, this is who I'm not. 
right. This is, for instance, dating. This is who I should not be dating. This is who I should be dating. This is who I should not be dating. This is who I should be dating. This is who I am. This is who I'm not. This is the job that's for me. This is the job that's not for me. The, those actions of, of taking apart, have you, I said the word threshold before. Have you ever heard of the, of the verb threshing? To thresh? Yep. It, what it, tell, you, tell your audience what it means. So. Well, thresh or thrash? I, I'm trying. No, thresh. No, okay. So thresh. no, thrash is a different thing. That Threshing I is what is for thousands of years how we ate. It's people would thresh grain, right? They'd beat grain. You've heard of the expression to separate the wheat from the shaft, right? right? Yep, yep. So, so threshing, the act of threshing is to separate the edible parts from the inedible parts. That's exactly what this quote was talking about. The parts that are real and you and authentic and true and the parts that are no longer you, that are parts that are false the parts that you made up, the parts that you use to protect yourself, whatever they are. You have to, th to, threshold moments are moments where we separate the parts where we are and the parts of who we are not. And that's what the power of ritual. This is why I wrote this book, is to help people make these distinctions real. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. Yeah. And this is why, so you set this up beautifully, not that we rehearse this or anything, not at all. But this is this is why I believe the great resignation is happening because yeah, people have totally. suddenly realized, okay, so let's roll the clock back everyone to two years ago, February, March of 2020, whatever it was, when all this crap started going down. I can tell you hundreds of my friends who are like, I could never work from home. I could never do that. I don't know how you do that. I could never make that work. And suddenly they were making it work. Now, roll forward to here, I have that same group of friends and probably 90% of them are like, I can't ever see myself going back and working in the office again. This is not who I am. This is not what I, this is the threshold. This is such a big reason why this whole quote unquote grazer resignation is happening because people have realized I can be productive. I can love my life. I can do this. And now, whoa, here we are, we're coming up. And now I got to cross this threshold again. So yeah. all this is happening and to your point about, you know, what's going on with my husband, even though in his case, he's the one who chose whether he wanted to go in this week. Cause he's like, I, I'm going to get more done there. But again, did he prepare himself for that? No, right. He didn't spend the time. I, in fact, I just literally was coaching one of my clients today about this exact thing. He's like, I really don't see myself going back into work. I'm like, great. So if you don't, what do you have to do to prepare to have those conversations? And then yeah. even when you have those conversations, what do you have to do to prepare to continue to be a remote worker and have the kind of relationships you want to have with your coworkers who may be going, wait, why does he get to stay home? And I don't, I said, there's a whole lot of breaking and different things that has to happen. And then if you do get it to happen, how are you going to be really good with yourself? Because you may be the outlier in the group. All of these things are these different things. So I know what's going on to some degree in some of the audience's minds like, okay, so what I need to get like sage and feathers and all this stuff and do a ritual. That's how I well, get through this. Well, first off, I mean, rituals have, first off, religions are the realms of ritual right now. So the real question is, you know, can I, do I have to be religious? It's not right. about, I mean, I wouldn't take it into an indigenous perspective. I would take it into the question of like, if I'm not religious, can I do a ritual? 
And the real answer to that question is rituals predate religion. You know, this is a much old, this is, this is, this is something that belongs to the people. It doesn't belong to any peoples. And being a ritualist myself, I'll tell you what, the first attribute that I employ when I'm a ritualist is my imagination. I'm creative. Rituals are purely creative. They're symbolic. They, they're meaning-making tools. So in all the ways that we make meaning in our lives, we have to be creative to make things meaningful. There's a quote in the book. There's a an, an very old ethnographer by the name of Arnold Van Genep, old meaning like 250 years ago. And he has a quote called pivoting towards the sacred. Basically what that means is you can look at anything, coffee, your shower, getting into bed tonight. And that can absolutely mean nothing or it can mean everything. For instance, you can take a bath. That bath could just be like a place to chill and like read a book. Or that bath could be like an oasis or it could be a place for renewal or it could be a place for grief, mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, it all it takes is us to click it into gear for us to pivot towards the sacred, sacred and to make something meaningful. And that's why when writing this book, I really employed my imagination and creativity. I mean, I've been an, a professional artist for 10 years. You know, I have, an, a very, I have an international audience with my art, just my art alone. So when I'm writing this book, I'm standing on the shoulders of my own creativity and saying ritual doesn't belong to the religions. They don't belong to indigenous cultures. They don't belong to anyone. Sure, people have their rituals. And I'm very clear in the book about cultural appropriation, and I, it's a hard stop for me. However, I talk about Hello, Goodbye, the book, as, mm -hmm. if it's a rich, as if it's a recipe book, like a cookbook. So you keep it on your shelf like you do a cookbook, and when you're hungry, you take out the cookbook and you make yourself a meal. This book is so similar, except when you're going through a life transition, your dog dies. And you're feeling like, fuck, my, this, this just totally changed. I was on walks for 16 years and suddenly one day I, there's no more walks to do because my dog's no longer here. What do I do? This is a meaningful moment. I have no idea what to do. You take the cookbook, the ritual recipe book off the shelf. You turn to the page, the chapter on losing your pet. And there's recipes. There's actual recipes that I wrote in the book. You can use them or you can substitute them for whatever works for you. But it's asking you to be creative in the same way that anyone who has a kitchen can cook. You just need to eat. The same thing is true for making meaning. Sometimes we just need to cook up a meal to make something meaningful and, and make something understandable. So what is one of the things that you think would makes, make this, and I think what you've got, the book number one, but somebody who goes, okay, this sounds like something a little bit difficult for me to do, like to create some ritual around something. What Perfect. would you say to that person? I'd say this book is actually for you. I call the, I call the readers of this book ritual curious. Hmm. I'm not interested in people who they're like knee deep, you know, they're like neck deep in ritual. I'm interested in people who, under, who are hearing me and saying, you know, I need that right now, especially with the pandemic, especially with so much change happening in the world. Just this past year, by the way, the most mainstream newspapers and magazines like New York Times, Harvard Review, Wall Street Journal, BBC, put out articles saying we need more rituals in the world. 
they're doing this because COVID, because there's been so much loss and people can't even go to you know funerals, for instance. So these new mainstream newspapers are calling for more ritual. First off, we're in dire times if like the New York Times is asking for ritual, number one. Right. Right. But number two, great. Let's lower the bar. This book is, as I said, it's for people who just need to make something in those moments when life changes. They're not difficult. They're easily accessible. They could be in your home. They could be made with things, you know, for instance, one, here's a really accessible ritual for those of you, if, if you, if you have young kids, I took a, a, um, a ritual of closing down the child's room at night, you know, shutting the blinds and putting on a sound machine or kissing your kid or, or tucking them in at night or whatever, all of these routine things. All I did was take the same routines, but punctuate each one with a reflective question for your kid. Like, who's someone you saw today that made you happy? Who's someone, well, what's an event today that made you scared? And each one is punctuated by closing the blinds or tucking them in or, and the last one is, you know, what are you grateful for for your day? And you close the door. Hmm. And that, that transformed it from a routine to a ritual, from something that meant nothing to something that means a lot. It's very simple. Very simple. And, and it's interesting because I've done a lot of retreat work, been facilitator at some, participated obviously in some. And the thing that always to me makes the difference is the rituals. Like it's the thing that like brings it, I'm going to just say it brings it home. It brings it into yeah. being. Now there's a lot of different rituals that will happen. I mean, I've been involved with a gay men's retreat off and on throughout the years and there's certain things that we do each retreat because we know that's going to be the thing that moves, moves them into this space, but it's more yeah. of a ritual that we do because we know that's, what's going to enact the transformation or it's going to help them. Like, as you say, step over the threshold and see that thing they need to see, you know, and one of the rituals we do is, you know, we start with Seiji. That's one of the things that we do. And, and for some people that's like, what the hell is this? I've never had this. What you guys are, wait, I didn't. And it's like, it's actually okay. You know, mm -hmm. one of the other uh, experiences we do is a blindfold thing, mm -hmm. you know, and we ask Beautiful. them to, to do something that's uncomfortable, like yeah. literally uncomfortable to like be blindfolded and you're talking to another man that you've never had a conversation with, but here we take away everything that you can other than the voice. That's all you yeah. can hear is the voice. So there's just interesting ways of doing all of this that really brings people to these beautiful spaces. So can I tell you that the two rituals that are in the coming out chapter, since you're talking about gay men's retreats. Yeah. yeah I would so I wrote one ritual for the actual person coming out of the closet. And I wrote the second ritual for the family and friends. Hmm. And the first ritual, I call it the sifting ritual. And basically it's just like very simple. It's part one happens at night, part two happens in the morning. Hmm. And basically all you're doing is at nighttime, either on your phone or on your bathroom mirror or on a piece of paper or whatever, I just ask you questions to consider. For instance, Tonight I am letting go or, or, um, affirmations tonight. I'm letting go of fear. You're writing this down tonight. I'm letting go of my shame and concern about what people think of if I share more of myself 
tonight I'm letting go of my old name. Tonight I'm letting go of my old pronoun. You know, tonight I'm letting go of caring so much if I will be liked. These types of things. And then the next in the morning, that gets erased. So you erase it either on your phone or whatever, on your bathroom mirror, you erase it. And then you punctuate the next morning with, today I'm claiming courage. Today I am claiming my new name. Today I am claiming a new pronoun. Today I'm claiming trust. Today I'm claiming that I am indeed enough. And all of that is, and I encourage the reader, whoever's doing that, do that night, choose a certain amount of time, 30 days, six months, whatever so that you can go to bed and distinguish. This is who I'm not. These are the old feelings. This is the old name. This is the old experience. And wake up in the morning and say, this is who I am. This is what I have. This is what I love. This is who I am inviting into my life. So that you can continue to really distinguish. And then the second ritual that I wrote is an affection deck. So the family and friends basically are creating a deck of cards for the person coming out of the closet, reminding them how much they're loved and needed with their new identity and their new, their new life. And both of those rituals are there to support this new being emerging into the world. Because when I came out of the closet, you know, there was no community to, to welcome me on the other side. Right. And the, well, the act of welcoming is the most important part of a threshold moment to be welcomed as the new person that you are. And so that is the realm of ritual is being witnessed and, and welcoming and acknowledging this new person that's coming into your, into the world. It's beautiful. Thank you. What are you most proud of about this book? I mean, that it exists in the world. <laughs> I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm proud. I, I, Right now I'm on the receiving end of a, of a tremendous amount of compliments that are making me feel very humbled, to be honest. You know, just before we got on, I got an email from someone that said, I've been waiting for this book for 30 years. And to receive a message like that, you know, to receive messages about how this book is helping people through divorces or through births or through, you know, moving or changing jobs or whatever, so I'm most proud that I, in some way, get to help people because people need help right now. You know, we're really, really in a troubled time and we're going to be experiencing a lot more change in the world and we need to have better resources so that we can orient. So what the ground falls out from under us, either we choose it or it's, un, it's not chosen, that we can feel um, resourced. And that we don't panic that as i said at the beginnings that we can change when there is change and that's part of the the hardest part of the transitions is not being able to change when the change is happening you yeah know? And, and a lot of people you know i've worked with a lot of people the word resilience is right. what you're saying yeah yeah a lot of people are like we'll get right up to that threshold and not just coming out they'll get up to okay i'm gonna i yeah i'm gonna walk away from this job and i'm gonna go do something that is really important to me and i i happen to coach a lot of professional speakers or people who want to become professional speakers and most of them are working day jobs you know yeah. and then it finally comes to that point where they're like i really want to do this okay great and then they get right to the threshold and i oh, know i can't you're reminding me of a moment when i was eight years old where i was at camp 
and I saw all of the super cool boys climb to the top of this really, really tall diving board yep. and jump. And I climbed up there and I went to the edge and I panicked and I climbed back down and I never jumped. So a lot of my life, the choices I make with my career, the choices I make in most of my life are in response to that choice that I made when I was eight, which is jump, cross the threshold. However, don't just cross it, make it beautiful, make it meaningful, make it matter because that's your life. These threshold moments are what define our lives. Coming out of the closet, that defines your life, that defines my exactly. life, right? So this is our, these are important moments and they're worthy of definition. But that's why I love the title of the book too, because the hello goodbye happens in the, it, it's, it's in that moment. You're saying yeah. hello and you're saying goodbye. Exactly. You know, it's such a nanosecond thing. Like the moment you say I'm gay, you just said I'm no longer heterosexual. You're saying goodbye to something and you're saying yeah. hello to something. Yeah. That's the distinction piece I was talking about before. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I thank God this book wasn't named some cheesy name, like, you know, like the power of blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, like hello goodbye first off it's iconic i mean i was listening to like beatles album when i thought of it and second of all it perfectly identifies as you said what these transitional moments are you're leaving something behind you're welcoming something new just like what we're about to do we're about to we're about goodbye. to say goodbye <laughs> right. uh, well i love well, this so much day it's been really a pleasure for me and any of you who are listening I hope you really step up to this and realize every day is a transition. Every day is something you're going through and you could always use a little help. And for those of you who really would like to get a little help, I'm going to do what most of you or my listeners know I do. Anytime I have a author on, I buy a book for somebody who sends me an email and says, Rick, I would love day's book. So whoever is the first one to jump on that bandwagon, send me the email to rick at rickclemens.com. I will get you a copy of his book sent directly to you from me because I believe in putting out good stuff in the world. And I think what day has here is something really freaking amazing. Thank and, you. Um, I really appreciate you being here, man, and being part of my world and helping my listeners really realize the power of saying hello and goodbye. So thank uh, you. Yeah, right, I'm, I'm, I'm done with you. You got to leave. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you for having me. And, and also I'm, I'm very grateful to be in a, in a queer space um, where we can help each other move through these moments of our lives with more grace and more um, togetherness. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. <laughs>